0: All right, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. I'll let you guys start moving back to your seats. So, um, just curious, how many of y'all either went down to... Yeah, I was in Arkansas earlier this this summer. Um, It's going to come out. So, how many of y'all were uh, either you went down to Sussoon to watch the fireworks or you went someplace to watch fireworks? So, a few of you went? Okay, all right, all right. So uh, we we uh, I, I hope hopefully you had a really really good Fourth of July. We we had a a pretty good day, very very good day. And uh, that afternoon we cooked out burgers in the backyard, and and we're looking forward to just kind of hanging out together as a family, and then going down to Sassoon to watch the fireworks. And then I I got a, a phone call from Steve. Uh, and from Jim saying that we had fireworks down here, so uh, a little bit different kind of fireworks. So, uh, so what happened was, uh, as you were walking in, I'm sure some of you noticed that we have this beautiful plywood window now. Uh, and uh, so, someone kind of uh, they they came by. I think it was just kind of a random act of vandalism, but uh, they they left kind of an interesting little drawing painting on uh, the window of the door. Uh, but they they broke out the window. But, uh, so it made for an exciting 4th of July, just not the kind of excitement that you necessarily want. But I want to say a big thank you, Jim, to you. I want to say a big thanks to you, Steve. First of all, how many of y'all noticed that the wall's being painted and the sound booth? Yeah. They spent all day the 4th of July painting, and then they came here. They were here before I was. They were the ones who called the police. Yeah, and and he said, Steve, that's the wise thing to do, send someone else. So someone broke into the church. Can you take care of that for me? Uh, so, uh, but they came down, checked it out, and uh, also helped clean up the mess. Also, uh, my daughter Cash, her boyfriend, Sal, they came down, not without being asked, just volunteered to come down and start helping. And then Faithy came down, and she helped as well. And then after everybody else left, uh, Faith and I, she helped me with with a couple baseball bats Uh uh, I talked about bringing my handgun down, but I really didn't want to have to shoot someone over stealing a, a monitor. Uh, so, so, but anyway, we came down. We were we were ready to make sure if anybody came through the window to take the sound system or the monitor, they had to come through us first. All right, so yeah, so we we uh, we 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 were here. I don't know. We we got home about one o'clock, but finally the guys from Tri City Glass came. They got here about eleven, and and we finally got all the plywood up by about twelve thirty or so. But. Um, so it was, but you know, that being said, I just want to say a big thank you to all the people who served. And while thanking people who serve, I want to say again, Kimberly, I really appreciate you stepping up to give leadership to our children's ministries. And, um, you know, Christy was fantastic and Kimberly is fantastic. And I loved when I was talking with Kimberly, just her vision. Uh, that she has for the children's ministries. But one thing I want to remind you of, this is never a one-person job. There was no way that Christy could do this all by herself, and there's no way Kimberly can either. So at the same time that, that Christy's moved away, we've had about 12 people who've stepped down from serving in children's ministry. Now, some of those people are moving away, have moved away, or are moving away, but the, the truth is, is that it, it takes a team working together. It takes a team working together, and right now we need about four people to help out in the nursery. We need uh, we need another four to six people helping with the Adventure Zone. Uh, we need a couple of teachers, and then we need some uh, helpers there as well. And then we also need four people in surge, two teachers and uh, two helpers. And so what we are looking for is we're looking for volunteers uh, who have a heart to help our kids grow and want to follow Jesus. This is not glorified babysitting. Okay, it's not that. What we're doing is we're making disciples. And we want our children to follow Jesus, don't we? Yeah, yeah. So that's what we're doing is we're we're actually investing in that next generation, which the Bible talks about. It talks about how we are to raise up the next generation. So when we do that, we're actually living the message of Scripture by investing in our children and teaching them to follow Jesus. And so what we're looking for is we're looking for people who are really boring and dull, I'm just kidding. No, we're not. Uh, no. We're looking for people who are not allergic to fun, okay? Uh, we're looking for people who, who know how to have fun, who can be, uh, who can be a little bit wacky, joyful, uh, people who are passionate about teaching our children to follow Jesus. That's what we're looking for. And if you don't feel qualified, just remember, the one who qualifies you is Jesus. Okay? So, uh, we can train you, we can help you, uh, learn whatever you need, uh, to help in that. And, uh, so if you're interested, and I know that some of you are, uh, please contact Kimberly, but we, uh, we, we all want to do our part in helping. This is kind of the heavy end of the log right now. And so, uh, even if you can come in for three months or nine months while we kind of rebuild the team in the transition from Christy to Kimberly, uh, we just need to, we need to rally around her and help her with this. So uh, I want to bring that to your attention. We've been doing a series on the book of Ephesians. I'd like to encourage you to open your Bibles and, um, and, and for those of you who may be, uh, here today for the first time, uh, real quick, just so you know, um, Ephesians, the message of Ephesians is this, is that there's joy in the gospel. Okay? Philippians? Did I say Ephesians? Okay. So, if I say Jesus and I mean Paul, just interpret, okay? <laughs> uh, alright. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so, <laughs> So we're, we're talking about Philippians. The message of Philippians is what? There is joy. There's joy in the gospel. There's joy in the gospel, but there's not joy in just kind of going through the motions of playing church. Okay? There's no joy in that. There, there's no joy in just kind of making... Uh, 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 um, uh, there's no joy in chasing the American dream with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in. There's no joy in that. The Bible doesn't promise joy in that. But the Bible does tell us that there's joy in the gospel. There's joy in the gospel. There's joy in the gospel when we understand, when we we when we have this profound understanding that he who began a good work in us will carry it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, for me, I don't know about you, but this is me. I still struggle with sin. I still do things sometimes that 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 are wrong, and, and sometimes I get really disappointed with myself. And then I have to preach the gospel to myself again. Is that he who began a good work in me? See, see, it's it's a work of God. It's not my work. But he who began a good work in me will carry it through to completion. Now, when was the last time God gave up on a work that he was doing? Oh, that's right, never. See, there's joy in the gospel when I understand, really understand in my bones, understand that he who began a good work in me will carry it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's joy in the gospel when I can celebrate in the advancement of the gospel even when I'm living in very unpleasant circumstances. Paul was in in prison. He was awaiting trial. And yet he celebrated, celebrated that because of the conditions he was in, the gospel was advancing. The gospel was advancing. See, there's joy in the gospel when to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, when, when to live is Christ. I mean, you know, some people, they live to play golf. Uh, some people, they live to shop. Uh, some people, they live to fish. My father-in-law. Uh, some people, they live to ride bikes. Me, all right. Uh, but, Actually, when when to live is Christ, when what matters most to us is is living for Christ, and to die, it's not something we dread. To die is gain. Why? Because we get to be a Jesus forever. Yeah. See what the Bible is about, and what it's telling us about is that 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 there's joy in the gospel. And then last week we began to see that that there's joy in the gospel when we are living our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so what we want to do is we want to talk a little bit more about that, about what does it look like to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. And so today what I want to do is I want to read for you a text of Scripture. I want to go back and read one verse from last week and then roll into this week's text. But in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, because this is the beginning of kind of a long thought, Paul says this, Paul says, Only... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Only. And, and when Paul introduces this idea of only, he's saying of most importance, the most important thing for you and me is to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Last week we talked a little bit about this. And we talked about what does it mean to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. And, and what we learned and what we uh, understood is is... Uh, is the, the Greek word here for conduct yourself is palatuomai, which means to live as a citizen. It means to live as a citizen. See, the Philippians were citizens. They were considered Roman citizens. Philippi was a Roman colony, and you have all the rights of Rome if you were a citizen of Philippi. And Paul was saying, hey, you have a better citizenship. In fact, later he'll talk about that we are citizens of, of a better kingdom. And by the way, you—if you're a follower of Jesus—you're a citizen of a better kingdom, better than the United States of America, or for our Canadians, better than Canada. Okay? I know it's hard to believe, but uh, but we are citizens of a better kingdom, and we're to conduct ourselves how conduct only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you, remember he's in prison, so whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together, striving together for the faith of the gospel. People, that's what Week of Hope is about. Week of Hope is us striving together. We have, I think around 80 of us are praying every day, and have been for almost 40 days now, praying, preparing, asking God to use us to share hope with people in our community who are desperate for hope. See, there are people in this community, they, they don't know how much they need Jesus, but they they know the emptiness of life without Jesus. And they don't even realize the reason their life is so empty is because they were made for something better. They're, they're seeking to fill their emptiness with all kinds of things. It could, be, it could be career success. It could be a relationship. It could be making straight A's in school. It could be uh, it, being a part of a group of friends. It could be... It could be drugs, it could be, it could be all kinds of things, and people are trying to fill their emptiness, but there's only one thing that will fill that emptiness, and it's Jesus. And so what we are doing is we are striving together for the faith of the gospel. Chapter 2, verse 1. Paul goes on to say, therefore, and the use of the word therefore is tying what he's about to say to what he just said about living in a manner worthy of the gospel. And so what he says here is he says, therefore, If there's any encouragement in Christ, by the way, when Paul says if, uh, he means not if like this is in question. He's using this word like if and absolutely there is. But he says, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and compassion, then make my joy complete. Interesting, interesting words. Make my joy complete. Paul saying, I need your help. I need your help. I'm asking you to make my joy complete. Make my joy complete, how? By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. I want to share with you three thoughts about this if I can. That God is wanting us to live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. He's wanting us to live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel by selflessly, humbly seeking, healthy, holy community. By putting the needs of others above our own. So why should we pursue healthy and holy community? What is the foundational framework for healthy community? You know, in, in, in America today, there are a lot of things that make healthy community really, really hard in the church. There are. There's a lot of things that makes healthy community. I remember when I first moved to Fairfield, I went out door to door meeting people. And I remember I would talk to people and I would ask people, well, first thing I asked them is, do you go to church? If they said, yes, I do. I said, well, great. You know, keep going. I'll see you later. And I move on to the next door. And then I would I would meet people who were not plugged into a church and I would ask them, do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? And usually they said no. I said, first of all, you know, what do you feel like is one of the greatest needs of people in our community? And I, I went around, I was talking to people, and it was, it was really fascinating. But then I, I remember meeting with, um, um, was it Charlie Long? I think was our city manager at the time. But I remember I met with him, and I remember going up to him, and I remember asking him, what do you think is the greatest need of people in our community? And without even... Batten and I. He just said, "Community." What's the greatest need of people in our community? He said, "Community." And, and what he said, it was very interesting. He said, "You know, we're we're kind of a bedroom community. We're kind of a bedroom community. We have a lot of people who work in the city, work in Oakland, work in Sacramento, work. They they work everywhere else, and they sleep here. And then on the weekend, they play everywhere else, and they sleep here." that that there's not a lot of really good, healthy connection. That what happens is people will drive up to their house, they hit the garage door opener on their garage, they drive into the garage, close the garage door, they don't even know their next-door neighbor's names. They don't even know how many people live in the house next door. They're not even sure, well, does that person live there? Well, I haven't seen them for a while, but I've seen this person. Now, that person's not there, but this person's back. It's like we we don't really know our neighbors, and 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 uh, what, what's happened is 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 that some people have called it cocooning, this idea that we we kind of retreat inside of our little cocoon. We don't even know the people around us. We have no real healthy community. It it happens not just in the community as a whole, but in our churches. You know, one of the things that fights against really good, healthy, holy community and connection, and and we understand this really really well, you know. Uh, because we have a lot of us, a lot of our people uh, are connected with Travis Air Force Base, either service members there. Uh, but what has happened in our culture today is, is we're a very transient culture, aren't we? We make these really fantastic connections with other people, sometimes in our church. And then they move across country. And then the really evil ones try to get us to move across country with them. <laughs> um and 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 you know what's what 's great is is, is it 's been real funny is this summer we 've had several people who 've moved away who 've come back uh for for visits and that feels really really good but it 's that it 's that transientness of our community uh, that that we 're constantly relocating and and we 're not uh, we're making and keeping connections is really challenging for us and there are other things that kind of battle against these these healthy connections and community that we need things like well i mean Selfishness, I'm sure none of us here, we struggle with selfishness. But but sometimes selfishness gets in the way of really good, healthy community and connection. Uh, Sometimes busyness, we get so busy in activity, we don't make meaningful connection with people. But busyness, and sometimes pride. There are a lot of things that can battle against really good, healthy, holy community and connection. And I completely forgot what I was talking about as far as the scriptures concerned. But why should we pursue healthy and holy community? That what is foundational? What's foundational? The foundational framework for healthy community. And according to the scriptures here, that God wants us to pursue healthy community because we have what? We have encouragement in Christ. We have encouragement in Christ. Why? Because we have comfort in God's love. Why? Because we have fellowship in the Spirit. Because why? Because of affection and compassion. See in in verse one here, uh, Paul says. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, then make my joy complete, by being in the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. But this idea of that the per uh, that the, that the foundational framework for our unity and community is 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 in our encouragement in Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean that our our encouragement in Christ? Our encouragement in Christ is kind of like this. It's kind of like this. Um I have nothing to boast about in myself. Okay? I have nothing to boast about in myself. I don't get to preach the word of God to you because I understand it better or know it better. I don't get to preach the word of God to you because I am holier than you are. In fact, there's a good chance I may not be. But, but I, what I have is I have nothing to boast about in myself, but this is what I do have. I have encouragement in Christ. And, and let me tell you that the encouragement I have in Christ is way better than anything I could boast about in myself. Well, what does that mean, encouragement in Christ? Well, the encouragement in Christ for me, and I don't know about you, but what that looks like is it looks something like this. Is that there is nothing that in Christ, in Christ, I am a, a new creation. I read about this this morning. Some of you did too, if maybe you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today, a part of the prayer time and in, in the scripture reading time. But one of the things I read about is that in Christ, I am a new creation. I'm a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now that's encouragement in Christ. Well, what does encouragement in Christ look like? That in Christ, there's no condemnation. Did you know that? That in Christ, there's no condemnation. That, that for me, in Christ, Nothing and no one can separate me from the love of God. Now, folks, what I'm telling you is, is that if you have bowed your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you've said to Jesus, I want you to be my Lord, my Savior, then you are in Christ. And with that comes this whole brand new identity, and with that there is encouragement. But what the Scripture talks about is not just encouragement in Christ, but there's comfort in God's love. There's comfort in god's love that, that 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 uh knowing that God loves me, knowing that God loves you, I remember hearing this song that became kind of a popular worship song for a while, and i can't even think of the name of it but but it's um, um <laughs> i can't remember anything uh, uh, uh in the song except this one thing is that uh, I am loved by you that's who i am what what's the name of that song? Yeah, good, good father. Good. Yeah, that's who you are. And is God is the good, good father. But I am loved by you. That's who I am. There is comfort in knowing that God loves me, even when I can't remember the words of a song. Even when I call Philippians, Ephesians. There's comfort in God. There's fellowship in the spirit. Well, what does that mean, fellowship in the spirit? That in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, there is this... Um, that, that, that in, in, in the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that we are that we're one body in Christ. The fellowship means partnership. It means that I that we have a we have fellowship with God, but we have fellowship with one another, that we are members of God's body, that, that my my ears, I started to say my eyes, my ears, my eyes, my nose, my hands, fingers, feet, toes, all of those are members of one body. And we, as followers of Jesus, have one body. And that our unity and pursuing healthy and holy community is is based upon the encouragement we have in Christ, the comfort we have in God's love, the fellowship we have in the Spirit, and then affection and compassion. Now, what's that affection and compassion in Philippians chapter two, verse one? It's the the affection and compassion that God has for you. That you are, you are loved by God. that He has this tenderness. This affection, this compassion for you and me. But it's not just God's affection and compassion for us. It's the affection and compassion he gives us for one another. That that is the framework for us beginning to pursue healthy and holy community together. And that raises a question for us. why well, actually, before the question, I want to, can I get this quote up here? About our unity, Alec Motier. Um, is that in there? Did I put that in the slides? I forgot to put it in the slides. Okay, this is a long quote. Can I read it to you? I mean, it's like a fantastic quote. It comes from this guy, Alec Motier. He is a, oh well, he's with Jesus now. He died a couple of years ago, 92 years of age. But Alec Motier was an Irish-born um, evangelical theologian and Bible scholar and a uh, really, really smart guy. But he was writing about unity in the church, and he said that unity is uh, the very essence of the Christian life. Unity is the very essence of the Christian life. He said that it, it's the way in which Christians display outwardly what the gospel is and means to them. Do you, you know that? Your unity is the outward display of what the gospel means to you. That, that, that he goes on to say unity is the gospel's hallmark. It says to all who examine it, this life is worthy of the gospel. See, when we are living in unity together and when we are living and we are experiencing the kind of healthy and holy community that God wants for us, that grabs the attention of a lost world. Uh, So how do we build this kind of healthy and holy community? Uh, Verse 2, well, uh, we we build healthy and holy uh, unity by pursuing oneness of mind, heart, spirit, and purpose. That, that verse 2 says, make my joy complete. How? By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. That, that, that we build healthy, holy community by pursuing oneness of mind. That make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Being of the same mind doesn't necessarily mean we're always going to agree with each other. But what it does mean is we're going to be agreeable with one another. It means that, that when we do have uh, points of disagreement, we're going to find a way agreeably to work through those disagreements in a way that's healthy and holy and fair for everyone involved. So, for example, uh, next month, month of August. Uh, month of August, we're going to start working on with the elders, with our staff uh, and the, the ministry leaders of our church, we're going to begin working on a ministry plan for 2019. For 100 people to work together and keep moving in the same direction, we have to have a plan. We have to have a direction. And we're going to agree on what some of our goals are for 2019. And with that, we're going to agree what belongs on the calendar, what belongs in our ministry calendar. By the way, that also means we agree on what doesn't belong in the ministry calendar. Sometimes things need to go away to make room for other things. But we agree on that. We begin to uh, agree on things like a budget. See, a budget is based upon the direction, where you're going. It's based upon your plans, the ministry plans that you're making. And so in that, there's always going to be a little bit of give and take. There may be areas where we don't fully agree on, but we work towards agreement because we're agreed on our ultimate purpose. Does that make sense? But we're to be of one mind, not always agreeing with each other on everything, but being agreeable. But but not just pursuing oneness of mind, but pursuing oneness of heart, maintaining The same love. Maintaining the same love. Now, why is it important that we maintain the same love? What is that about? Um, In maintaining the same love, let me me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Uh, Love is a fruit of the Spirit, right? If you've gone to church very long, if you've listened to the Scriptures, you've probably heard where the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? It's, 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 love is a fruit of the Spirit. But guess what? Did you know love's not automatic? It's not. Love is not automatic for people who sometimes struggle with being selfish. Okay? Uh Love is not automatic for people who sometimes struggle with pride. By the way, if you don't, if you never struggle with pride, you may struggle with pride. I mean, but all of us struggle. We do. And, in in yes, Love is a fruit of the spirit, but love has to be maintained. What do I mean by that? How does what does that look like? It looks like let me. Anybody drive to church today? A couple of you did. Okay. Any of y'all drive a car? Okay. My sixteen-year-old drumming today. She did great. Fantastic. Um, you know, if you drive a car and drive a car and drive a car, but you don't maintain it. And if you drive a car, and drive a car, and drive a car, but don't maintain it, and you drive a car, drive a car, drive a car, and you don't maintain it, and you never check the oil, you never change the oil, you know what happens? The engine seizes up. And a $25 oil change now becomes a $2,500 engine replacement. Okay? Love has to be maintained. It has to be something that we work at, that we work on. So, for example, with Joy and I in our marriage is that I love Joy, Joy loves me. And, uh, but we work on our love. We do. Uh, we've been working on our love for over 27 years now. Uh, we, we, we designate a day, one day a week on Fridays that we take, I take time off, I take time away from the church, away from my duties here, and we drive over the back way to Napa and we enjoy a, a nice lunch together and we spend time together and we work at, we work our love. And uh, sometimes we have conflict. And we work at our love by working through our conflict. But we maintain our love. And what we have to do as a church body is we have to maintain our love for one another. That we, we've we got to maintain our, our love. That we need to pursue um, uh, oneness. Oneness. Um, the scripture says, uh, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the spirit, intent on one purpose. That we need to be one in purpose. Now, what is the one purpose that we need to be one about as a church? Because a lot of people are going to be disagreeing. They're going to say, no, this is the purpose of the church. Someone else is going to say, no, this is the purpose of the church. And someone else is going to say, no, you're wrong. This is the purpose of the church. And everybody's going to come up with all these different ideas about purposes. What's the purpose of the church? what does Paul say the purpose of the church is in the book of Philippians? When you read through Philippians chapter 1, what is it he keeps talking about again again and again and again and again and again seven times? He talks about the advancement of the gospel. Just go back to verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, standing firm, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Folks, that's the purpose. See, the purpose of the church, the purpose of the church is not getting the right person in the White House. This is something that we really need to grapple with, and we need to understand this. The word evangelical, from most news sources, is associated with a voting block. You know what evangelical means? It means one who carries good news. The word evangelical comes from a Latin word that comes from the Greek word, euangelion, gospel, good news. See, when people know evangelicals as a voting block, instead of knowing evangelicals for good news, When our devotion to political candidate eclipses our devotion for Christ, we are no longer living for the one purpose and conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And what we need and what our world needs, our world needs good news. Our world needs good news. Our world doesn't need my politics and it doesn't need your politics. Our world needs Jesus. And they need to know us for our devotion to Jesus. They need to know us for our devotion to Jesus. And they need to know us for our message, the message of the gospel. That's what they need to know. And the message of the gospel is good news for whom? Yeah, for everybody. You know what that means? That means Republicans and Democrats. That means libertarian and independent. That means black and white. That means Hispanic and Asian. That means young and old. That means uh, educated and and uneducated. That means everybody. The gospel is good news. And the one purpose that we have to be one about, and and, and to be honest with you, the, the more we lose sight of our purpose, the more we tend to have Conflict and division in the body of Christ. What God wants is he wants us to build healthy and holy community by pursuing uh, oneness of mind, heart, spirit, and purpose. So how do we build this kind of oneness in mind, heart, uh, soul, and purpose, spirit, and purpose? Uh, Number three, we build oneness by being humble in attitude, by being humble in attitude, and by making uh, the service of others our aim. If you look in Philippians chapter uh, 2, verses 3 and 4, and I'm sorry, I didn't put it up on the screen, but it's in your Bible. Verse 3 is more about attitude. Verse 4 is more about aim. If you look in your Bible, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's your attitude. That's your attitude. The, what God wants for you and me is He wants us to have this attitude of doing nothing from selfishness and empty conceit, but it's with humility of mind regarding others is more important than ourselves. That negatively, our attitude is this: we do nothing from self, uh, from a spirit of self-centeredness and narcissistic vanity. Negatively, but positively, we consider, count, regard, think of others more prominently than ourselves. That that we are. Um, Uh, That with humility, we're regarding others more important than ourselves. That's our attitude. Our aim, verse 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. That's our, that's our, our aim. That, that negatively, we don't simply look out for our own concerns. By the way, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be concerned about things for our, our personal lives. But it's not our only, uh, concern. But all, we, we must also look out for the interest of others. Look out for the concerns of others. Well, what does that look like? What does it look like for looking out for the concerns of others? Let's get real practical. Let's get real practical. Is being in church, worshiping together, and hearing the word of God taught, is that important for us in our our spiritual lives? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the practice of, of weekly worship, we, the, the practice of weekly worship is sown is so throughout the, the whole scriptures. It was the practice of the old, community, uh, old Testament community of faith, is that every Sabbath they would gather for the purpose of worship. And it was the practice of the New Testament church. They gathered every week, not every other week, but every week for that purpose. And And so coming together to worship, coming together to hear the Word proclaimed, is an important part of our worship, but sometimes, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, someone, uh, you, you know, we can be, become very protective of this time of worshiping and hearing the word taught. But sometimes God wants us to worship by serving. Do you understand what I'm saying here? That sometimes God wants us to worship by serving. That 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 sometimes. Sometimes it's not just in hearing, it's not the word, it's not just the word taught, but it's the word lived. It's not just the, hearing the word taught that we worship God, it's in living the word taught that we worship. So what does that mean? What am I talking about? That considering the concerns of others more important than our own. Okay, but Gary, what does that mean? What are you driving at? Considering the concerns of others more important than our own. So that maybe considering the concern of a child, maybe my child, or maybe someone else's child, once a month, saying, you know what? Today, I'm going to be more concerned for their needs than my need. Once a month. I'm going to give up time to actually not just hear the word taught, but live the word taught. And I'm going to live it by putting the needs of a child above my own. By loving, serving, changing a diaper, consoling an unconsolable infant, but doing it in the name of Jesus. Because it means that mom or dad gets to hear the word taught and gets to worship. By serving, helping a child in adventure song, or serving, helping a child in search. That, that not just being uh, concerned about our own concerns, but being concerned for the concerns of others. What God is wanting for us is he wants us to live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel by seeking out healthy and holy community putting the needs of others above our own. Let's pray. God, today, what we want for ourselves is we want to learn how to live out healthy and holy community better. We want to be, uh, we don't just want to be focused on our own needs or, or what what matters most to us, but really uh, what makes a difference and in, in serves other people. Uh, I, I pray, God, I pray for today for the person here who maybe has not yet uh, made a commitment to Jesus, but they long for understanding more of what it means to be a new creation in Christ, who uh, who want to know what it means that there's no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who want to know that nothing and no one can separate uh, th- them from God's love. And so I pray, God, that you'd work in that person's life. But, Lord, I pray for us as a church that we would learn how to really live out the kind of unity healthy, holy community that this scripture talks about. And Lord, as we, uh, next week, as we go out and we are striving together for the faith of the gospel in our community through Week of Hope, I pray that you would use us to touch the lives of people in this community. And I pray this in Christ's name, amen.